0: Over the last several weeks, we've been reading in the book of 1 Samuel, discovering ways that we can find true strength, real strength in God. We finished that passage in in 1 Samuel that we've been looking through in chapters 8 through 10. But we're going to continue in the same theme this morning as we look to the book of Proverbs, a passage that describes how every one of us can find real strength true strength. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 24 this morning. We're going to be focusing on the fifth and the sixth verse there in Proverbs chapter 24. My middle school cafeteria had a poster, a poster that had in bold prints, you are what you eat. Which, which would seem to be a natural thing to have in a middle school cafeteria you know, to remind us about the importance of what we, we, we ate. But, but there were some things that bothered me about this particular poster. For one thing, it had a, a drawing of this fellow with a funnel in his head, and there was a guy dressed up like a chef who was pouring vegetables into the funnel that was on this guy's head, which, which I, I guess was, was trying to stress the importance of, of vegetables. But... I didn't really want to have a funnel inserted in my head to get my vegetables. I mean, my mouth was the normal way that vegetables got into my body. And and though there were some vegetables that I just would have soon not tasted, I, I still wasn't so sure about having the surgically implanted funnel thing to make all of that work. But secondly... This was the middle school cafeteria. It was hard some weeks to tell what was a vegetable and what wasn't and what they put onto our plate. And I wasn't always sure that everything they gave us was nutritional or that everything they gave us was actually a meal. Even though that poster may not have been so clear, the message was good nutrition was important. You may not get an A in algebra, but at least you'll have the energy to stay awake in class and find out why. Proverbs describes something even more significant than eating all your vegetables. As we look through this passage this morning in the 24th Proverbs, we're going to find out that wisdom and thankfulness are powerful. And you can know where to find both of them. We're going to read about how we can discover wisdom, real wisdom, and thankfulness, real thankfulness in our life in the week to come and in the days ahead. First of all, as believers, we need to always remember the power we know in Christ. Too many believers live a life of defeat. Now they would never say that. You know, they they will sing victory in Jesus as loud as the next person in the pew. They know that they're forgiven. They know they're saved. They know they're going to heaven. And maybe that's the problem. Now, not the going to heaven part. That's a good thing. That's the wonderful hope that we have in Christ. But some believers, that's where their focus is. That one day in the sweet by and by when they'll be there in the presence of the Lord. Now, that's going to be a great thing, but there's something we need to remember. Christ is not only the Lord of heaven. Christ is the Lord of Right now, He is the Lord of creation. He is the Lord of where we are today. The Proverbs gives exactly that encouragement. That the Lord of heaven is also the Lord of earth. He's the Lord of everything. When Proverbs describes wisdom, in fact, when you find that word wisdom throughout the Scripture, it has a very distinct meaning. We think about wisdom as being smart as knowing the answer, as having all of the facts. Uh, And that's true, wisdom certainly can be that, but the wisdom that's described in the Bible is much more than just having an intellectual understanding of what's going on. The word wisdom can be defined in the Scripture in two words, trusting God. That's what real wisdom is described as being in the scripture. I may not ever be a great scholar. I may not be recognized by the academic community as being a foremost mind in my profession. But I can be biblically wise. You can too. If you simply trust God. Now, the Proverbs describes why that's true. We may think, well, okay, I, I understand why the Bible would tell me to do that, but, but how is that really going to do me all that much good right now? You don't understand the job where I work. You don't understand the neighborhood where I live. You don't understand things that I'm facing. How can just trusting God give me strength? How can trusting God give me wisdom? Well, you need to understand what trusting God means in the Bible. Trusting God In the way that that Proverbs is describing wisdom in this passage, trusting God means depending on Him in everything. It means putting all of your eggs in the same basket, so to speak. It means trusting God with everything in your life, deciding right now, from here on out, that 100% I'm going to be dependent on God. I'm not going to trust my own strength. I'm not going to trust the strength of my friends and my relatives. I'm not going to trust the strength of my family. I love all of those. I care about all of those. I pray for all of those. But I am 100% dependent on God. That's where real power is. And that's what Proverbs 24, 5 tells us. A wise man has great power and a man of knowledge increases strength. Now, on the surface, that may seem to be saying, you know, that, that, that brains beat brawn every time. That's not what it means. It's much more significant than that. Again, remember that wisdom in the Bible describes trusting God. Psalms 111.10 puts it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. Here's what the Bible's telling us. Those who trust the Lord and follow Him are wise. And it's in trusting the Lord that we find true, lasting strength. You know, if you find physical strength, there's some physically strong people. I mean, you know, I remember a guy on TV that was was pulling a car with his teeth. That's pretty strong. I, I don't know why you'd want to pull a car with your teeth, but that was still pretty cool that he did that i 've seen strong people lift you know hundreds of pounds over their head that 's pretty cool I, I don't know why you 'd want to lift a hundred pounds over your head, but that 's all right that's that 's cool to be able to do that that 's strong but every one of those people as strong as they are, eventually they have to rest. I mean that guy pulled that car i don 't know fifty feet i don 't know how far it was, but eventually he had to sit down and take a break <laughs> he 's not pulling that car right now. And those weightlifters, I mean, they get that weight up there, but they don't leave it up there. You don't see them walking around the Olympics carrying their weight. No, they got to drop it. <laughs> they get tired. They run out of strength. They have that strength, but it runs out. The kind of strength that the Bible is talking about here is a kind of strength that does not grow weak. Trusting in the Lord is literally the most powerful powerful thing that you can do because it is a strength that does not fail. You can trust God today. You can trust him this afternoon. You can trust him tonight. You can trust him tomorrow. You can trust him next week. You can trust him next year. You can trust him when there's a virus. You can trust him when there's not a virus. You can always trust in God and he will always be faithful. That kind of strength does not grow weary. In fact, the Bible says not only does that kind of strength not grow weary, it gets stronger. Psalms 125.1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Psalms 27.1 says, The Lord is the light, my light and my salvation Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now that's real strength. That strength that won't depart us. That strength that we won't get weary. That strength that that we can know is going to be there. It's here for us right now. It'll be there for us tomorrow when we need it. It'll be there for us in eternity. It's never going to grow weary. Now, this morning, I'm I'm going to test your age and your memory. You don't have to admit either one of those to me. We're not going to take a poll or anything. But I'm going to test your age and your memory by giving you an illustration. And for those of you who are not of a certain age, this is going to make no sense. You're going to go home going, "What what was he talking about? I don't know what in the world that was about. But those of you who are of a certain age, you're going to get this. If you used to watch the television program Kung Fu, now, some of you are going, well, what program is that? I don't remember that. But I don't even think they rerun it anymore. It's so old. They don't even put it on rerun. But, But that was a show, when I was growing up, that was the number one show on television. Everybody watched Kung Fu. Everybody, when they came to school, was talking about what the guy on Kung Fu had done. It was a story of a guy living in the West, and he was kind of skinny, kind of scrawny, didn't look very powerful, but he learned how to fight. And he was so good at fighting, he could always defeat the bad guy or maybe that's too old. I'll bring the reference up a little bit. This is still an old reference, but it's at least least a little bit. The the, the Karate Kid, if you ever saw that movie. That one is on reruns. You can go home and watch that on Netflix if you need to. Uh, The the Karate Kid, you know, again, a story about a little scrawny guy, wasn't very, uh, didn't have any muscles, he wasn't very strong, and everybody was always picking on him, but but he, he learned how to defeat the black belt by imitating a stork. Now I really identified with those guys because I was skinny, I was scrawny. Everybody was always picking on me, and I thought, well, you know, if Grasshopper could do it in Kung Fu, or if Ralph Macchio could do it in The Credit Kid, hey, there's maybe some hope for me. That's not the kind of strength that Psalms and Proverbs are talking about. Strength is not just being able to fight smarter. Real strength, real strength, is found in trusting God. In admitting that we are inadequate, that we need what only God can do. Now that starts by our admitting our sin, by our recognizing that we have failed God. We have turned away from His Word. We have disobeyed Him at every turn. We deserve nothing less than the full wrath of God to fall upon us. And the only hope we have is in the forgiveness of God that He has shown us through His Son, Jesus Christ. It starts there. But that strength... Grows. That, that's what that psalm that said a minute ago. It isn't just that you're strong and you stay strong. It's as you trust the Lord, you get stronger in Him. And it's only when we humbly admit our desperate need for the Savior, it's only then that we can be truly strong. That's what wisdom is. And anybody can have it, scrawny or not. Because anyone can trust the Lord. Now the second place we can find real wisdom is in thankfulness. And to, to have real thankfulness, you need to get good advice. <laughs> Proverbs 24, 6 continues this statement about real strength with a word about good advice. Verse 6 says, for waging war you need guidance, and for victory... Many advisors. Proverbs here is using the language of military strategy to make a spiritual point. If you're going into battle, you need to have a good plan. And to do that, you need the right people in the right places to give you good intel, good information about your enemy. To know where they are, to know what kind of weapons they have, to know how big their army is, to know where they're going to be uh, traveling, where they're going to... you, You need all that information in order to make a good strategy that will be successful. The history of Israel provided several illustrations, both negative and positive, of how this works. You have kings described in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, Second Chronicles, and other historical books in the Scripture, kings who listened to the words of godly advisors, who allowed themselves to be influenced by those who were trusting the Lord. Who could tell them the right information. And as they listened to that godly information, that godly advice, God allowed Israel and Judah to be in times of strength. There are also examples in the scripture of kings who listened to ungodly advice who made the choice to follow the words of those who were not trusting in the Lord. And in those times, we see the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah falling apart. But it was more than just having good information. It was more than just having a good plan. It was more than just having a good army. Trust in the Lord was the foundation of that real strength. And surrounding yourself with People who had the foundation of the Lord in their life allowed the kings of Israel to do the same. Finding in the Lord real strength in thankfulness. Because that's what happened. If if you read through uh, the words of the greatest king in, in the history of Israel, King David. You will see him over and over giving thanks. In fact, if you read through the Psalms, you're going to see Psalm after Psalm after Psalm about thankfulness. Where David gives thanks for God's presence, gives thanks for God's power, gives thanks for God's provision, gives thanks for God's mercy, gives thanks for God's forgiveness. Why was that so important? Because David had men like Nathan in his life who were giving him good godly advice, who were helping him to understand how blessed he was in the Lord and how thankful he should be for all of the wonderful things that God had given him. Jesus described this very same truth in three parables that he tells his disciples. They seem to be totally different. They're on completely different subjects. They seem to be totally unrelated until Jesus draws it all together. Now, he does that several times through the Scriptures. There are several places where you'll find Jesus telling this parable and then right after it telling another parable and then right after it telling another parable and then bringing all of that together. And this is a great example of that. It's found in the book of Luke. In this series of parables, Jesus starts off, with a story about a man who decided to build a tower. He looked at his town and said, you know, our town needs a tower. Every town needs a tower. I'm going to build a tower. And so he starts building this tower right there in the middle of the town. He gets about a third of the way finished and all of a sudden realized, Oops, I really should have figured out how much this was going to cost. have well, that much money. And so he has this half built tower that's there in the middle of town and he doesn't have the money to finish it. And everybody in the town laughs at him, says, look at that fool who started a tower and didn't count the cost. He didn't even know what he was doing. And now we got this half built tower right here in the middle of the road. What are we going to do with it? That's the first parable. The second parable is about a king who decides to go to war. But before he goes out into battle, he sits down with his military leaders and he he makes a plan based upon the the intelligence that he has about who the other army is. Well, what's that got to do with a guy building a tower? (laughs) It doesn't seem to have anything to do with it. So then Jesus tells another story, and this one really doesn't seem to have anything to do. He tells a story about salt. He says, salt, when it's lost, it's saltiness. Is worthless. It's not good for anything but throwing it out. You know, a guy sits down for breakfast. He's got his scrambled eggs. He takes the salt shaker, puts them on there, takes one bite and goes, ugh. That's awful. Who messed up the salt? So he not only has to throw out the eggs, he just takes the salt and throws out it. Because it's not any good for anything. What in the world does that have to do with a king who's fighting a war and a guy who's half built a tower? Well, then Jesus draws all those three parables together. Luke chapter 14 verse 27 he explains how all three of those relate with a very important principle that every one of us as believers needs to understand. Here's what he says, verse 27, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. From a worldly point of view, that teaching doesn't seem to make any sense. And you have to think in a first century mind, and, and, you know, in our day, a cross is a nice thing on a necklace or some pretty earrings or a nice bracelet or a, a tattoo. You know, it, it's a thing of beauty or, uh, or a thing that everybody wants. Everybody likes a cross. Not in the New Testament day. New Testament day, the cross was a hated, feared symbol. Nobody would want a cross around their neck. Nobody would want a cross tattooed on their arm. Nobody would want to have anything to do with a cross. A cross was a place of execution. You didn't want to be anywhere near it. And here Jesus tells his disciples, if you're not willing to carry your cross, then you can't be my disciple. Now, again, that teaching comes at the end of these three parables that don't seem to come together, but all of a sudden... It makes a very important point. Jesus was telling his disciples to follow me. You have to 100% put your life in my hands. You have to give me everything. You have to trust me in everything. And you need to sit down and think about what that means. Don't make me like that guy building the tower and not really realizing what it's all about. If you're going to follow me, you're going to give me everything, all you are, everything you ever will be. You're going to make me the Lord of your life or you can't follow me. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to follow my directive, my plan, my will. Because like that king who planned for battle, I've got a plan for how to defeat the armies of evil. And you will not be successful if you follow any other plan. You've got to follow my plan. And this isn't just going to be for today. This is not just going to be for, for tomorrow. You've got to give it all to me forever. Lest you become like salt that one day was salty but now it's not. No, you, you you've got to be in the My will from here on out. You've got to be willing to give me everything. You've got to be willing to carry your cross. Because here's the thing. In the New Testament day, you went to the cross. You didn't come back. And Jesus was telling His disciples, if you're going to be My disciple, you're all in. You're going to follow Me with everything that you are. You're going to trust Me with everything that you have. You're going to follow My command or you cannot be my disciple. What's that got to do with thankfulness? Well, here's the thing. You know, we, we have a week. We call it Thanksgiving. We spend some time giving thanks to the Lord. You should do that this week, but not just this week. If we stop and we recognize all the things that God has done in our life, all the ways that God has blessed us, all the things that God has has entrusted into our hands, all the, the ways that his command has always been right, if we start to think about that, we'll realize, wait a minute, there's nowhere else I can trust my life. I can't trust my life to my job. My job might not be there tomorrow. I can't trust my life to my friends. Sometimes they're with me. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're for me. Sometimes they're against me. I can't trust my life to anything in this world. Save Jesus. That's where real strength is. Not in armies. Not in money. But in the cross. Surround yourself with people who understand that. People who believe that. People who can encourage you to do exactly that. That's where real strength is. In wisdom, trusting the Lord, and in thankfulness. Recognizing God's work and blessing in your life. In wisdom and thankfulness. You will find real strength. Heavenly Father, help us. During this week of thankfulness, uh, we do want to pause and and recognize your many blessings, but God, it can't just be a a once-a-year thing. We need to recognize your blessing always. Heavenly Father, there's so many ways that if we just look, we'll, we'll see our need for you. For we have failed you. We've turned to our own path. We have sinned against you. And and only in your mercy and grace, only through the sacrifice you made on the cross for us, can we have forgiveness. And Lord, if we're not thankful for anything else, we can definitely be thankful for that. But Lord, as we start to consider the many other ways that you have blessed us, we recognize that we are truly a people who should be thankful and in that thankfulness, in our trust in You, we will find real strength. And we pray this morning You'll help us do that. Maybe there's someone here that needs to trust You for the very first time. Help them, Lord, to see that in You they will find real strength. Maybe there's someone who already knows You as their Savior and Lord, but, but their focus is, has gotten a little fuzzy and they need to, to recalibrate their life this morning so that they can be directly in the center of Your will because that's where they'll find real strength. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be wise, to trust you with everything, and to be thankful, to recognize your blessing in our life. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and there's never been a time personally that you have trusted God Christ. And you're wondering, well, what does that mean? We've kind of talked about it a little bit. You know, and you say, wow, that, that's a big decision to, to entrust my whole life, everything that I am, into the hands of the Lord. That's a huge decision. You're right. It is. But it is the greatest decision you will ever make. And ordinarily, we invite you to come down to the front. We sit down and talk with you and kind of go through the scripture and show you how you could receive Christ as your Savior because of the virus. We can't do that right now. But we do have a way that we can can help you understand what that's all about. In the pew racks before you, there are some cards that are called connection cards. Just pull one of those out. Give us some contact information. Check the box that says, I want to follow Christ. And drop that in one of the baskets as you leave this morning. We'll be in touch with you to, to, to talk with you about what it says in the Scripture that Jesus died on the cross for you, that He rose again, that He's alive right now, that, that He can be your Lord and your Savior. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about all of that with you. You'll simply take that little step of faith by giving us some information about how to contact you. Maybe there's some other needs that are in your life. Maybe you're looking for a church home. On that same card, there's a box that says, I want to be a member of National Heights Baptist Church. Just check that box. Place it in one of the baskets. We'll contact you with information. Now, you can be a part of all the incredible, wonderful things that God is doing in this congregation. Or maybe you have a prayer need. Maybe you have something that's going on in your life. You'd like some fellow believers to be praying with you. We would be honored to lift you to the Lord. On the reverse side of those cards, is a place where you can do that. Just write down your prayer request and you can place that in the basket. We'll be praying for you this week. If you're watching us online, you can do the very same thing. We have an online version of that same card. It's at nationalheights.org backslash hello. And if you don't remember that link, that's okay. If you're watching us on Facebook, it's right at the very top of the comment section. If you're watching us on on our webpage, it's just below where the the video appears. Again, nationalheights.org backslash hello. You'll find that same card. Give us a, a way to contact you. Check the box that indicates your need, whether you want to follow Christ, join the church, or whether you have a prayer request. And we'll be glad to follow up with you as well. In whatever way God is leading you this morning, it's our prayer that you will listen to His voice in your heart today as we sing together.